want to do anything to scare your children. That's the last thing we want to do. We don't want to scare anybody. Welcome to Acting on the Run, the podcast. First time, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time to tune in. Anybody who is a regular listener, thank you so much for coming back and please continue to keep coming back. I hope to always give something that can help at least one person. Um, if that's all that it helps, then that's good. I would like to reach more than one person, but if I can at least reach one person, I'm happy with that. So thank you so much for giving me your time. I appreciate it. I want to start this podcast off talking about something that is very um, prevalent today, especially where I live um, in Los Angeles. And, and I know that it's everywhere, but I see it on a more grand scale here. And not just here, but also in um, San Francisco, it's real bad too. And I'm sure that it's other areas all over the States and all over the world um, for that matter. But speaking from my perspective, um, the homeless crisis in Los Angeles um, and California in general is um, is crazy to me um, because it's just everywhere, everywhere, everywhere you go, anytime you go walking down the street, anytime you go to a grocery store, to a gas station, um, to a studio, to a gym, anywhere you go, you can't help but walk right past it or drive right past it. You can't help but see it. Um, it's in front of every building, downtown, um, every train station you go to, every bus station you go to. And it's a sad situation, um, but it's not one that can't be fixed. And I know that, at least here, and I've seen it in other states too, that they've started a... Um, a program called Project Room Key. I think that was started back in 2020 when the pandemic hit because they wanted to get everybody off of the streets, you know, into safety because in 2020, mind you, that's when the coronavirus um, first, you know, was introduced to us. And that's when, you know, everybody was, uh, was a quarantined. And so, all of the homeless had to be pulled inside as well. Not all, because there were still some people on the streets during the quarantine, but um, some efforts were made to pull the homeless in from off the streets. And so now that's still a program that's still going on, and it's something that the mayor of Los Angeles is something that she's been uh, pushing very hard to try to fix the homeless crisis. Um, and that's great. But the treatment of the homeless population is something that I feel as though um, should be done a lot better. People can treat people a whole lot better. Um, I've never had an issue with the homeless population. I've never had an issue as far as, you know, anybody, well, actually, no, I lied. 
there was one time when I was in um, San Francisco and me and some friends, we were walking down the street in downtown San Francisco and a group of homeless people, well, more than just one group, that they're real aggressive up there. Like they'll come on, they'll come and walk up on you and um, not to say that they were going to hit me, but I'm used to, you know, if a homeless person asks me for, you know, money or food or something like that, they'll usually do that from, you know, a respectable distance. But up there, they were real, you know, upfront kind of in your face. And I had never really had that happen because most times, like I say, when I'm walking down the street or when I'm anywhere, if someone does ask me or, you know, beg me, then they usually do that from a distance. But up there, they like walk right in front of your path, stop you from walking, um, get in your face. And it's real. It's a real aggressive style of panhandling, and I don't know if it's just up there, but I've only experienced it up there. But um, in Los Angeles, every homeless person I've run into has been, um, I don't want to say nice, but they've been um, pleasant, and I've never had any issue. And I've also worked with a lot of people in the homeless population um, in the past doing work um, in the uh, psychology field, doing work in, um, um, in rehabilitation. I had to come, come in contact with a lot of homeless individuals. And they may have been on the street before they came into the program where I was at. But once they got in the program, they weren't... They were homeless outside of it, but not when they were in the program. Because in the program, you know, they're living in the um, residential homes or in the uh, or in the uh, in the hospital. So they're not necessarily homeless. And so then, seeing them from that perspective, that changed my outlook on the hom- on the homeless population um, majorly. Because inside, then. I got a chance to actually speak with them as I would speak to um, a friend of mine or as I would speak to someone, you know, a co-worker because we were all under the same roof at that time. So speaking with people who have been experiencing homelessness, speaking with them in that setting, it changed everything because then you would hear people speak and you would hear people, you know, express themselves in a way that on the street they wouldn't express themselves or show that vulnerability, um, I assume, because of safety. Because, you know, no one wants to get caught um, slipping on the streets um, because they don't want to die or end up hurt or end up being robbed, anything like that. And so it gave me a different respect. And so on an everyday, whenever I'm out, you know, now in present time, um, anytime a homeless person, you know, wants to speak to me, you know, I'll stop and speak or I'll stop and, you know, share some change or I'll stop and, you know, share some food or buy some food, you know, for them, for that matter. Not because, you know, I want any credit for it, but because I feel like it's the right thing to do. I, I remember once when I was in college, 
I wasn't homeless. Um, I was living with my mother, and but I didn't have a lot of money. Uh, I had a job. I might have had more than one job at that time, but that particular day, I didn't have any money. Um, matter of fact, no, I think I didn't have a job yet. I think at that time, I was looking for a job, and I had a little money um, in my pocket. Well, not in my pocket, but I had a little money um, coming in. I can't remember um, what exactly I was doing or what job I was working, but it was probably like a part-time job or something because I didn't have a lot of money. And so this one day, I got out of class, and I went to go and grab something to eat at the Coney Island. It was one across the street um, from the school. And so I went over there, got some food. I thought that I had enough money on my card. I didn't check previously, but I thought I had enough money on my card, you know, to at least pay for my lunch. So I went, got me like something simple. It was like a burger and fries. Got that, ate, got ready to pay. Went to the front, you know, front cash register to pay, and my card was declined. And I thought it was an error on their on their behalf, but it wasn't. And so I had them try a couple times, and it kept, you know, decline, decline, decline. And so I'm like, okay, well, let me go, you know, see if maybe I can uh, check my balance at the ATM, see what's going on. Um, so I thought that maybe it was like a, a, a fraud hold or something like that because at times when I've used my card um, out of state or something like that, it'll it'll stop the card from working. So I thought, okay, maybe it's a situation like that. Um, so I went to the ATM, checked my balance. I, it had zero dollars in there. So I'm like, okay, it's not that. It's because I don't have any money on here. So then I went back to the, um, to the, no, I went before I went to go and check my balance. Um, I was asking them, Oh, you know, if I don't have any money on the card, you know, is there anything um, that I can do? And I went to check my balance. And when I seen that there was zero dollars on there, then I didn't know what to do. I think at the time I was 17. I had never been in this situation before where I didn't have any money to pay for my meal. And I didn't know exactly what to do. And so I figured, okay, maybe a nice person, maybe they'll... I think my bill was only... Maybe like eight, maybe like eight dollars at the most. At the most, it was like eight dollars. It might have been less than that because we're talking about this was two thousand and seven, I think, and so it might have been even less money than that. But I didn't know what to do. I didn't know, and and I had some friends who I went to school with, but I didn't necessarily. My first thought wasn't to call them. I, that wasn't my first thought at all. Um, my first thought to fix the situation was just to ask somebody, you know, for a couple of dollars, because you know, just to pay for a burger and fries. Because in my head, if somebody would have asked me for that, I would have helped them out. And so I started asking people um, because the Coney Island, it was inside of a little um, shopping, not a mall, but like it was a shopping plaza. And it had a couple stores around the Coney Island. And so I'm just standing in the middle of like the walkway and I'm just asking, you know, I would ask a couple people that walk by, you know, 
um, excuse me, can you spare any change? Excuse me, can you spare any change? And I think by like the third person who I asked, because I didn't just ask people, oh, you know, can you spare some change? I tried to explain my situation because I didn't want to just seem like I was just begging for money. So I explained to them, hey, um, I'm short on my meal. I'm just trying to get a couple dollars to pay for the meal. Um, I go to school over here. Can you please help me? And, you know, it was like, no, no. And then the third person who I asked, it was this, it was an older guy. It was an older um, Caucasian man who I asked. And I asked him, same way I was asking everybody else. I said, hey, um, I'm short on my meal here. I go to school over here. Can you please help me with a couple dollars? And he looked at me and he was like, you shouldn't be out here begging. He needs to go get a job and work and walked away. And after that, I didn't ask anybody else. Um, I felt that I was embarrassed. I was embarrassed that that happened. Um, But to finish the story before I get back to how I felt, to finish the story, after he said no, um, I told myself, okay, I'm not going to ask nobody again and so I went back to the restaurant and I'm like hey um I checked my balance there's nothing on the card um I apologize if um if need be I can you know I can wash some dishes or you know do some um do some work around here if you would like to um pay off my bill but the uh but the host there they were nice they're like oh you know don't worry don't worry we'll take care of this one and they gave me, and they let me go, and so I found grace in that, um, in that moment. But going back to how it made me feel, because again, I had never had to do that, and I, and also being a teen, you know, I felt as though that I would find some sympathy, um, but I didn't. And when the man told me that, it always um, stuck in my head, you know. To, you know, not to beg, not to ask, you know, of course, if I've needed help, I'll ask for help. And and anyone listening, if you need help, always ask for help. But in that regard, um, as far as begging for money, that is what I never wanted to, you know, get to that point again, because I was so embarrassed because I didn't want to be out there asking nobody, you know, for money, um, but I did it, you know, I tried to, um, humble myself and do that because that was the, you know, first thing that popped in my head to do to try to fix my situation is to ask, you know, my fellow people for help and not getting that help. Um, it embarrassed me, but it also made me understand that, okay, I need to, uh, well, one, be more responsible on, you know, knowing uh, whether I have some money or not have some money before I go to do something. Um, It made me think about that, but also just made me understand that, okay, I can't just always turn to the next person, you know, for a bailout. And what I mean by that is, is because since I didn't have any money and, Generally, growing up, um, whenever I would need something, if I didn't have it or if I couldn't do it 
um, I would always have to ask, you know, an elder, you know, mainly, you know, either my parents or my grandparents, you know, oh, you know, can they help me? And that's, you know, and that's what I knew. And so, um, not getting a positive response really had an effect on my outlook on that. And so I tried, you know, and I, and I still do, you know, I still do believe that, you know, you shouldn't have to uh, beg for money. But if you are in a situation when you need help, you know, always ask for help. Um, but don't abuse it. So don't... Um, it Because I feel like if you need it, you'll get it. Because, again, in that situation, I didn't get the money that I was looking for. But going through that experience and, and you know... And humbling myself and being, you know, uh, present in my situation that it gave me the courage because I could have, before I started asking people for money, once I saw that my bank account didn't have the funds in it, I could have went back to the restaurant immediately and explained the situation. And she probably would have, you know, excused me from the bill without me even having to ask anybody. But that wasn't my first thought to do because I was embarrassed by it. And But it taught me, you know, not to necessarily be so embarrassed of my situation. And just to face, you know, whatever situation that is presented in front of me and not necessarily, you know, be afraid of or embarrassed of, you know, what um, what is happening. And so um, that was a situation that I had to go through. But in regards to um, to the homeless here, that we just got to treat, you know, treat everybody how we want to be treated. Um, the Project Room Key is something that's still going on, and I haven't actually had to use that. So I'm not sure, you know, the exact details of it and requirements of it so I don't want to boost it up as this as if it's this um world saving thing and that's going to change you know the uh the numbers of the homeless um by a lot you know because I don't know I haven't actually you know experienced um going and getting one of those rooms and things like that but I think that if it is a possibility of something to have, that it is a positive. And I see on the news that a lot of people are protesting against it. Um, There's one city out here, uh, city of Hacienda, um, and I know, and I looked online and saw that there's uh, more cities, not just in California, but like. but in other states that are protesting it in their, you know, in their regions. And um, I just don't think that that's, you know, good. Um, They're saying that they're protesting it, you know, for the safety of the children. They're saying, oh, you know, my kids walk by um, because what they do is they take a motel or a hotel that, you know, is abandoned or um, shut down or, you know, not getting 
uh, a lot of business, and they'll convert that into um, rooms for the homeless. And so some people in certain cities are protesting against it because they don't want, you know, their children to, to face that. And and they say that, oh, you, you know, um, uh, the women of the city have to, have to, you know, stand at the bus stop that's, you know, adjacent to, um, to the hotel and they don't want to have to face that. Uh, and that's something that I really don't understand. Because if the homeless are inside at that point, then, you know, what necessarily are you facing? Because, yes, a homeless encampment, you know, with the tents and everything, if that, you know, is sitting on the sidewalk, yeah, you know, then I can see, okay, uh, you have to face that or your kid may have to walk past that. But if the homeless are housed inside of a room, you know, what, what, what? risk is there in that um i don't want to seem naive because i do understand that you know um drug use um is something that's you know big and that could be something that a person doesn't want to necessarily introduce to their child you know in that manner but if they're not on the street then you wouldn't necessarily be subject to witnessing that, you know, I feel like that people are looking at the lifestyle on the street and assuming that, okay, if these people are housed indoors, that that lifestyle on the street is going to be on the street and and indoors. Like, that part, I don't understand. I, um, and another thing with that is, is because everybody doesn't necessarily live the same. And so you don't know, you know, what your neighbors do in general. So, you know, the person who has a house next door to yours or across the street from yours, they could be doing worse than a person who's homeless living in a tent. Because what people do indoors, behind the privacy of their doors, of their locked doors, you know, that's what they do. And some people, you know, live a certain way. Some people live another way. Um, but I feel like protesting against the homeless being housed, I feel like, you know, that doesn't make any sense. Because if the complaint is to get the homeless off of the street, why would you complain then when somewhat of a solution is given to get them off of the streets just because you don't want them in your neighborhood. I feel like that that's selfish. Um, and, and that that's, you know, mean spirited. And I don't necessarily agree with that. And I also have a big issue with it because it's a personal thing for me. I shared the story about, you know, how, I, um, how when I was in college and I had to beg, um, when I had to, but I chose to ask for money to help pay my food. Um, but also, um, when I first came to Los Angeles, I had a situation to where I had to deal with, um, with homelessness for almost a year, I think, but just about a year. Um, not necessarily because I had to, but I did it by choice because it was all a part of, you know, 
an idea that I had. And so I chose to do that. Um, and I didn't necessarily have any, um, any issues. Um, I didn't have to, uh, beg for money. Uh, I did have, uh, have a job. So I wasn't necessarily in that situation, but being on the street and not necessarily having a home to go to a bed to lay in, um, it makes you appreciate, you know, just that, you know, a bed to lay on, a, you know, or even a couch to lay on. It makes you appreciate that because not having that, you know, for a day or for a couple of days or for a week, you know, you, you can kind of uh, do without it. But when it starts going on week upon week upon week and then upon month upon month, then that's when it really starts to... Um, sit in that okay this is this is your life and the moments during that time period um when I was when I was homeless the moments during that and then I'm sorry I'm getting off track the moments I'm speaking of are there were certain moments during that time period when I would um when I would be able to rent a hotel. And so when I would rent a hotel and be able to, you know, lay down on a bed for even if it was just for one night, like that was the greatest kind of reset, you know, ever. Because not being able to have a, a home to go to and a bed to sleep in, um, it makes resting very hard. Um, I tried to get, you know, as as best of rest as I could, but I couldn't. And so every now and again, I would rent a hotel room and, you know, and be able to lay down and rest and reset and really um, get some energy back because being on the street, you know, is, is tough. Um, I didn't have to really deal with the uh, crime aspect of it. And I thank God for that, for keeping me um, protected during that time period, but it made me understand that population a little bit more because everybody who is in that situation isn't necessarily in that situation because they're lazy or because they're um, uneducated or because they're, um, um, yeah, I guess just lazy or uneducated. Everybody isn't necessarily in that situation because of that. I happen to be in that situation because of choice. And I know a lot of individuals that happen to be in that situation because of choice as well. And so, but going through that time period and, you know, having to do whatever it is I had to do during that time period. Um, and of course, and I'll go through it more, you know, as the podcast goes on, not necessarily in this episode, but as things apply. Um, because I want everything to make sense. And so going through that situation, it, it gave me, um, well, it opened my eyes, it opened my eyes more to the homeless population and what they're going through. And I share in their, um, I have, uh, I have sympathy because it's tough you know, um, we always feel as though that 
well, everybody feels as though that life is tough. And it is because we all face different challenges on a day-to-day basis, but everybody's challenge is different. Nobody face. You may face the same challenge as another individual, but given your life experience and given what you're trying to do, you know, you may take it one way and they may take it another. And then, you know, everybody's experiences aren't the same. Everybody doesn't run into the same people. Everybody doesn't run into the same situations. So everybody's life is different. But being being homeless is not necessarily because you you can't do things or you're not smart or you're not resourceful because um, homeless people are some of the most re- resourceful people who I've seen and met, you know, because you go from living, you know, your regular life with certain, with certain things that are just always there that you may not consider a luxury, but in reality, they are a luxury, you know, just having a bed or just having a door to close behind you and lock or just having a bathroom, um, a clean bathroom that you can use, you know, having a shower that you can go and turn on, you know, having a heater that you can go and turn on or having a fan that you can go and turn on or having a fridge where you can put your food in because um, being homeless you don't have those things. You don't have a fridge. So it's like you either buy your stuff, you know, cold and drink it then, or, you know, you got to figure something else out, you know, do I buy a cooler, do I buy ice, you know, and it changes your perspective on a lot of things that you may have feel that you needed. And then come to find out, you figure out ways to go without it and how in different things that you can use to substitute for certain things. Um, but I say all that just to say that the people, you know, who are on the streets, they are people too, you know, they're not just zombies um, walking the street, even though, you know, some people may have their moments where they may um, spaz out or, you know, get upset and yell and scream. But I mean, who doesn't do that, you know, just because the homeless man does it on the street because he doesn't have anywhere to go. Um, a professional may do that same thing inside their room or inside their car. You know, everybody has moments where, you know, their stress level has reached, you know, kind of a point where, ah, I just can't take it. And so everybody has that. But the homeless person doesn't have a door to close to actually, you know, hide his moments of frustration. His moments of frustration have to be let out in the public eye because he doesn't have anywhere to go. So everybody, you know, should look at everybody, you know, as an equal because we're all people, we're all human. Um, We all live in the same state, same country. For those who live outside of the U.S., you know, I'm sure that there's homeless in your country. Um, and in and in your state. So treat everybody um, how you want to be treated. It definitely does mean something, you know, put out good energy and you'll get good energy back. And, but for those who are protesting against the homeless having a place to sleep, I don't think that that's right. I think that you should really 
look at yourself in the mirror and think about, okay, if you were in that position, how would you feel if someone was saying, okay, we're going to house you, you know, um, even if it's not for a long time, even if they say, okay, we'll put you in this hotel for 30 days and then we'll reassess the situation. And you as a community or as an individual is saying, no, this shouldn't be, uh, I have to catch the bus here, or me and my kids have to walk down the street, I don't have to walk past this place where the homeless are being housed, and it's like, come on, like, how do you, you know, how would you feel if you and your child were homeless, just like some, you know, parents and their kids are homeless, how would you feel if, you know, a city or, or someone is saying, okay, we're going to do this, and then you have all these people coming out against it, saying that, no, you know, I don't want this here. You know, help them, but not here. You know, that's, I feel like that's wrong because you just don't know, like, how beneficial just a room is, you know, because people will stay in hotels on vacation and it's like, okay, it's an inconvenience because you don't have all the things that you have in your home. And so it may seem uncomfortable, you know, because you have to live out of a suitcase. But just think about how, on the flip side, a homeless person who has been, you know, on the streets, they get offered a hotel room. And for them, it's everything. You know, they have everything that they need that they didn't have. You know, they have a bathroom. They have a bed. They have, you know... um, a shower, they have a sink, you know, to be able to brush their teeth, they have, you know, a closet, you know, to hang up some clothes rather than keeping everything in a bag or a suitcase. And for them, it's everything. Whereas though for you, it's like, ah, you know, you had to make it work. But for this person, this is, you know, this is their, you know, their mansion, you know, so to speak. So, um, be nice, treat people how you want to be treated, and don't, you know, don't turn a blind eye on the homeless, because they're people too. Sorry if I took a long time on that. Um, sorry if I uh, if I rambled. I hope I made sense through all of that. I hope that you listening were able to understand what I was saying. Um, if I wasn't, if, if you didn't, understand if I wasn't clear you know please feel free to leave a comment please feel free to send an email again um, the contact email for the podcast is acting on the run at aol.com so feel free to you know send a message speak your words but I just wanted to touch base on that before I move forward because it's something that you know is in the news a lot. Um, especially out here, I don't I don't necessarily um, read the news for all other states in America. Although I may see some headlines here and there, but I'm sure that it's a problem everywhere um, because I've seen homeless in other places other than Los Angeles. But the the amount here has been so big that I haven't seen it like that anywhere else. N- not to say. That is not. It's just that my eyes hadn't seen it. So I just want to speak on it. Um, and if you are in a country or a city 
where um, where is bad there, and you you know, and you want to give me um, some words uh, to open my eyes some more, you know, please feel free to share. I'm always open to hearing, and if you as an individual have ever dealt with a homeless um, situation and you would like to share, you know, please feel free. Um, but just to close on that, um, when I was going through my situation, like I said, I did it by choice. Um, and the reason why I chose to do it is because at that time I was, I was, uh, what was a I? I had an apartment at the time and I was, trying to um I was trying to figure out a way of you know I was trying to come up with a plan of how to make certain um certain moves and meet certain goals in in my life and I and I happened to when I was living in um in Sacramento I happened to go to there was a a Panera Bread that I would go to all the time in order to use the Wi-Fi because at that time I was still, you know, I was still acting. I was still, um, I wasn't, I wasn't doing much music at that time, but I was acting and I was still working on like little things, little projects. Um, and so, and I had a job, so, you know, I had to use a computer on a daily basis. So I would go to the Panera and use the Wi-Fi there, um, and this one day, because I would go there maybe, if if not every day, like every other day, or at least like five to six days a week. And um, and this one day, when I was trying to figure out what my next, uh, my next move would be, I happened to be sitting there. Well, no, I came in and there was a group there. I think this was a Sunday. It was like a Saturday or a Sunday. Um, and there was this group there and they were having a group meeting. Um, it wasn't like an open group meeting for the whole restaurant, but like this particular group decided to meet at the Panera. And so they had, you know, all the tables connected and all them, all the members of the meeting were uh, sitting around the table. Um, and it was a meeting of a bunch of young guys, um, guys who looked to be around my age. And so... I wasn't in the meeting, but the booth that I was sitting in was right next to where they were meeting. So I happened to overhear some parts of the conversation. And so um, the group, it seemed like a um, like a motivational group, like a lot of guys um, just getting together, you know, to talk about, you know, what they're going through and their life and their experiences. And, and they were just giving each other advice. I don't know if the group had a name or if it's, you know, or anything like that. You know, I don't know what organization it was, but their conversation um, seemed to be positive. So as I was doing my work, I would overhear, you know, bits and pieces um, of the conversation. And then uh, because during that same time, that's, I was on the computer, I was looking, I can't remember what I was looking up, but I know that during that time, I was trying to figure out um, another apartment or another um, living situation because my lease at the apartment that I was at, it was coming to an end. And so I had like a, maybe a month or two, I think, I think more or less a month to kind of figure out um, what I was going to do next, if I was going to rent 
another apartment or if I was going, you know, what I was going to do. I didn't know. And so I was sitting there and the guys, one of the guys started talking about how um, he was in debt and he um, he was working, but he was in debt and he was trying to pay off his debt so that he could buy a home. And he was working and trying to pay off the debt and working, trying to pay off the debt and paying rent and bills at the same time and really couldn't figure out a way to make it, you know, to where as though he would gain, um, gain some momentum because he was working, but he was paying rent, paying bills. And so he really couldn't save anything. And so his debt was just growing and growing. And so he happened to say that, um, this one day he decided to buy a van and he started to live out of the van. And he had been doing that for about the past, uh, I want to say, I can't remember the exact time he said, but it was either six months to a year at that point um, that he had been doing that. And he was speaking about how um, he was able to, he was able to pay off certain debts and, um, and start to get um, other things going in his life that he was trying to get going. Um, I didn't hear the rest of the conversation, but that particular, you know, couple words, that he said when I overheard that it struck me as okay, you know, am I su- is is this what I'm supposed to be hearing? You know, because again, I was trying to figure out what I was gonna do in my situation. And so happening to overhear that it gave me something to think about. And long story short, I ended up going that route. And so um that's how I got into um my situation. Um not because it was something that it felt like something I had to do, but not something that I wanted to do. Um, so that was that on that. And I'll go more in detail on it, you know, as the episodes go on, you know, um, but I just want to touch on that because it's something that I experienced and it's something that, you know, seeing people on the streets here, it always reminds me of that time period in my life. And so, um, have some sympathy for these people because, you know, just because they're homeless doesn't mean that they're um, not smart or not, you know, or not hardworking or not caring or not loving or not trustworthy. You know, they just happen to be in that situation. And everybody's story is different, you know, because my story is more of a lighter story because I chose to go that route by choice. But there's some individuals who's who have been, you know, maybe forced or dropped off into that situation, not by choice. So their perspective is going to be a little bit different than mine. But always have, you know, have some type of um, of sympathy because, um, and this is something that I always, you know, hold on to that we're all one bad day away from being in their same situation. So no matter how successful you are, you know, everybody is only one bad day away from being in that homeless person's situation. You know, one bad day, you know, one bad choice or a couple bad choices away, you know, could find yourself in that same situation. So try to be nice and, you know, be accepting to if they're trying to build a homeless, um, not a shelter, but, you know, trying to convert the hotels into rooms, you know, 
or if they're trying to convert, you know, a building into, you know, some rooms, you know, don't be against it, you know. That's not nice because everybody deserves to have a safe place to sleep and a, and a, a somewhat comfortable place to sleep where it's not outside because being outside like that isn't fun. So um, th- that's that on that for now. Um, Getting into more in regards to entertainment acting because that's what this podcast is about. Um, I did want to touch a little bit on the writer's strike that's going on. Um, and that's actually something that has slightly affected me, but not really much. Um, there's a writer's strike going on. Um, and my, I guess, uh, rough summary of it is that the writers, um, that are in the, you know, the writer's guild don't feel as though that they're getting enough money for certain, um, certain projects, or I think it has something to do with the, with the, uh, streaming, streaming aspect, streaming aspect of it, whereas though on a, on a network show that, you know, you would get a certain amount of residual for when the show is aired, but on the streaming services, you only get that, you know, I believe once or something like that. There's a uh, there's a complication there, whereas though it doesn't go on the same, um, it doesn't work the same way through streaming as it does through broadcast on you know television networks. That the way in which the the residuals are given, um, that you only get it once or something like that, and then. But a person can watch a show, you know, as many times as they want on a streaming service. But the, uh, but I guess the writer on that particular show or episode only gets, you know, uh, their residual for it, you know, once when it's bought or something like that. I don't want to lie and I don't want to, you know, have people, you know, I don't want to give people misinformation, but just other little tidbits that I've heard cuz I don't really, you know, pay too too much attention to it, but it is, you know, I have seen people um picketing outside the studios. Um uh work has, you know, has slowed down a little bit at the studios because of it. There is still um private work to do, but a lot of the major the major studios is slowed down a little bit. Um so that affects the amount of amount of jobs as an actor that I can get right now. Um, but it doesn't mean that I can't create something on my own or work with someone who may have a smaller production company, you know, and do that because this is just with the unionized um, writers. But every writer isn't in the union, just like every actor isn't in SAG. Um, so... It slows things down a little bit, but it doesn't completely stop the show. Um, but it is something that's real, that's happening um, once. And I I, th- I think I've seen that um, that the actor uh, that the actors union that they were actually joining. Because I think it's multiple unions that are joining with them now. Because with the writers going on strike, it actually affects everybody. It affects the writers, it affects the actors, it affects 
um, everybody who works on a set, it affects everybody because it's like um, with them not working, then other people can't work. It's like a trickle-down thing. So um, once there's uh, some type of resolve on that, because it's been going on for about a month now, but once there's a resolve on that, I'm sure work will pick back up um, and then there'll be more uh, more opportunities to take advantage of, but that's something that's that's going on right now. So um, as it continues to develop and if it does affect you know me in some in some way then I'll definitely you know uh, speak on that and share that but as of right now it hasn't really affected me too too much um the one uh other than acting um music I have been having working on uh developing different sounds um i've been introducing myself to uh to the guitar a little bit more so trying to you know work on learning how to play that a little bit better and then um laying down um some new tracks um some new sounds um new ideas is something that um i've been working on since you know there hasn't been much in production for about the past month that's what I've chosen to uh, to work on um, alongside with you know always keeping the podcast in mind but when I do the podcast I like to have have done some work you know to at least give enough you know more as much information as I can in regards to acting um, but since that's kind of you know on hold a little bit Music has been something that has, you know, garnered my attention as far as, you know, a creative outlet. Um, so that's something that I'm working on. Um, I've been looking into a lot of different uh, artists of the past and, and really just, you know, learning, learning. Um, one thing I would say as a musician and something that I want to say to all musicians is research your craft. Don't, you know, don't necessarily think that everything that you've experienced and that you've seen, that that's all that you should go off of, you know, research your craft, research, you know, your influences, um, and see, you know, where you know where music came from you know where it started where certain sounds started where certain you know you know where where it was before you started as a musician because i feel like that can make you know it makes me better so i feel like it can make other musicians better as well you know don't don't necessarily think just because a musician was, you know, years in the past or decades in the past or, you know, that it's not relevant anymore because you'd be surprised at how much music is remade, you know, um, it's recycled over and over, you know, it may be a different sound, but it could be the same song or maybe a different song, but the same sound, you know, as 
another song that was created. It's all just recycled, recycled. But the unique part is, is that every artist can add their um, their flavor to it. And so that's what makes it theirs. Um, but always, you know, be a student of your craft. Um, it's something that I try to do um, even, with, uh, even with acting. Because with acting, even though there's not a lot of production work going on for me right now um, that I can still do my research to make myself better and I can still do things to continue to perfect my craft so that that way once the strike is lifted um, because once the strike is lifted there'll be a lot of work because then everybody will be getting back to work so um, my assumption is that there'll be a lot of opportunities um, coming up. So if you are an actor, you know, definitely look out for that. Um, if things are slow at the moment, you know, definitely look forward to the future because I feel like that once this strike does end, um, that there will be a lot of different opportunities because everybody will be looking to get back to work and get their um get their their scripts get them into um into production because people write every day um i see people writing scripts literally every day um so it's something that i feel like once the strike does end it's going to open up you know a lot of different work and hopefully some of that will fall my way and i will definitely update on the podcast um when it does one thing that i do have to i do have to work on and something that i'll share because maybe another individual has to work on it as well is not getting too frustrated it's okay to get frustrated but try not to let it overtake you to where as though it you fall into a slump and what i say by that is is because um doing music like i said since since the strike has been going on i've I've decided to put a lot of focus into that and i do more things other than just um acting and music but as far as creativity that that's where my creative effort has been um has been flowing since i haven't been able to do anything um in acting that A lot of times I'll get a little frustrated because I like, I don't like to necessarily work on my own. Um, I know that this podcast is for the most part just me, but you know, anyone who wants to um, collab on the podcast, if anybody wants to speak on the podcast, um, feel free to email me, comment, let me know. Um, I would love to, you know, have a conversation with you, you know, get your uh, get your insight, you know, and be able to share with with the audience that I do have. Um, but I'll get frustrated because in music, um, I'll try to collaborate with other artists um, or other um, other producers. And it's just so frustrating 
because it's hard to get on the same page with a lot of artists. Um, a lot of artists have their own way of working, and I understand that because I have my own way of working. Um, but when you're trying to really do some work and you can't really seem to be able to get on the same page with other artists, you know, to actually create, you know, that for me is frustrating because I'll speak to artists all the time, every day. And, you know, I like to offer my services anytime I meet an artist, you know, because I just enjoy creating. I, I feel like it's a, um, it's a, it's a great outlet. I feel like if you aren't an artist, um, you know, that if you are looking for a way to, you know, uh, I don't want to say express, but like an outlet, you know, to, you know, get your ideas out because there's a lot of things that in everyday life, you know, that we can't do or we can't say, but in art, you know, and that's getting tricky too, because a lot of people, um, lately have been getting in trouble for some of the things that they may have said or done, um, in their art, but it's, uh, but I still feel, though, as though that expressing yourself through your art, whether it be on screen, on stage, um, over the mic, I feel like it's something very valuable because art shapes the world just as much as the world shapes art. Because it's all, you know, it's all kind of like a um, kind of like a circle. You know, people people do what they see and hear from art just as art does what it sees and hears from people because the only way to be able to you know be a character on screen is to emulate that character in real life so if I'm going to play a doctor on screen I'm going to be emulating or imitating the doctor who I've seen in real life um, so art imitates life, life imitates art. That's just my opinion. So I feel like if you are looking for an outlet to get your thoughts and ideas out there, you know, not to say that you even have to, you know, go down the road to, oh, I want to be an actor or, oh, I want to be a singer or, uh, you know, or a musician. That if if you just want to do it, you know, just as a uh, as a hobby, you know, or if you want to paint, you know, painting, is another form of art, um, drawing, you know, um, whatever you do, you know, do that. Um, but try not to get, let me get back on track. Try not to get, um, frustrated because I'll get frustrated because I'll talk to artists and I'm like, Hey, you know, let's work. Cause I always offer my services. Not to say that I need to serve, um, serve them. But what I mean by that is, is, if I know that you make music, you're a singer or you're a rapper or you're a producer, I'll always, hey, you know, let's work together, you know, let's uh, let's create something. But being able to, but taking that from just a conversation and taking it from there to actually making it a reality, that's something that I've been running into um, a little issue because I'll talk to people. And I'll be like, hey, let's do this, da 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 And then when the time comes and I'm like, hey, are you ready? They're like, oh, no, I can't. Or um, like, or they won't, you know, show or they won't call. Um, 
or they'll give me like some some weird you know answer about as far as you know why they can't or you know uh, uh, and it's just always something and it's a little bit frustrating because in my head I feel like okay well if this is something that you want to do you know why not when I do it, you know, because I'm not one to, you know, just be about, okay, uh, boosting the people head of like, oh, let's do this, let's do that. And then to not do it, I like to, you know, stick to my word. So if I say that I'm going to do something, okay, boom, let's do it. Um, so I get frustrated in that regard, but I have to keep reminding myself, you know, not to because the only person who I can control is myself. So if I'm putting forth an effort, you know, it's going to come back. I just have to be patient. And um, one thing I have to keep in mind, too, is to, and, and one thing I want others to keep in mind as well, um, whether you're a religious person or not, um, if you are not, you know, I don't want to discourage you by my next statement but if you are you know this should encourage you but always wait on God you know if 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 religion and um and God is something that you don't necessarily know about or you haven't done any research into um I would because I feel like God does things in a certain time for a certain reason and so if you're doing all that you feel as though that you can keep doing that and just wait on God to, you know, provide or cross your path with, you know, that individual that you need to work with. Because, again, I like to collaborate. And so, I you know, I offer, offer, offer. But I have to remember to, you know, wait, you know, give God a chance to, you know, put the correct person in my path because a lot of times that will happen and that does happen. You just got to be patient. And, um, and if you don't necessarily believe in that, then believe that, um, believe that the universe is going to, you know, send that, you know, that person your way, um, that collab your way or that individual that you feel as though that you need to help you, they'll send that, your way, you know, just be patient. Um, it's something that I believe is something that, um, I have to constantly remind myself of because I'll get so, so, so frustrated. And I'm like, you know, I, I really don't want to hear, um, what, you know, what somebody has to say, because I'm of the mindset that, okay, if we're going to work, let's work. If we're not going to work, you know, don't give me conversation, you know, as if we are, because, you're just wasting um, my time and yours. So I have to always remind myself, you know, don't trip. You know, just keep doing what you have to do and everything else will fall in place. And any other artists out there, I would encourage, you know, um, if you're working with a producer or with other artists, um, with a, uh, uh, um, what do you call them? Um the ones who like who like groom artists, um, artist development, um, just keep doing what you do. 
because a lot of people, you know, will say a lot of things, but ain't nothing that you can do, you know, to control what they actually do, you know. So just keep doing what you do. Stay optimistic, you know, and stay on, you know, on your grind. Keep doing what you have to do because eventually, you know, that right person is going to cross your path, you know. But don't let anybody waste your time because of the thought of what could be. I hope that made sense. So don't don't let anybody waste your time because you think that, okay, this person can help you or this person can, you know, link me to this company or this individual um, if I stick around them um, or this person um, has had success. So if I stick around and I wait on them to, you know, get ready to do something with me, I'll have, you know, I'll have success too. Don't necessarily follow that because everything doesn't happen for everybody the same way. So if you feel like somebody is wasting your time, you know, speak on that. And if it can be resolved, cool, resolve it. If not, then, you know, keep, keep moving forward, you know, and eventually, you know, if it's meant to be that person who you were, waiting on to work with, you keep moving forward, that person is going to, you know, may end up coming around, you know, uh, and it'll be just at the right time. So um, stay positive, stay positive, stay positive, stay ready. Um, Always wait on God. So if you're going through a dry spell, um, just as I am because of, you know, of the strike. And it may not even be because of the strike. It could be other factors, but the strike is what's on, you know, um, on the news, on the streets, you know. Um, So it's something to, you know, um, to consider. But always wait on God because um, through every, you know, through every storm, there's a rainbow afterwards. So, um even though it may be slow or maybe, you know, a little dry during this time or something like that, something else is going to come up, you know, a little bit later. And I feel like, and I feel as though that that's what's going to happen after the strike, that there's going to be a lot to open up right after that. Um, but stay positive, stay positive, stay ready. Um, keep doing your research, keep, um, Keep practicing. If you're taking classes, keep taking classes. If you're, you know, reading, writing, you know, keep writing, keep reading, keep researching because eventually the opportunity is going to come. And so you just want to be ready when it does come. You know, you don't want to necessarily have the opportunity to come and then you got to go and try to prepare yourself. You know, if you use the downtime, you know, to prepare yourself, then you'll be good to go. And that's what I try to do, and that's what I want to share with others to do as well. So thank you so much for um, for sticking around, for hearing me out. Um, I know that I can get a little long-winded at times, and for that, I apologize. Um, but I do hope that I've been able to share something, some word that can help in some way or that can inspire a thought or an action in some way. I hope that I was able to do that, and I cannot wait to get back to you um, on episode 17. Um, on episode 17, hopefully I'll have some um, some work to share, you know, that those can view and hear or something like that. 
because I'm constantly working on things. I just didn't have anything ready to present when I sat down to uh, to record this episode. But hopefully on the next one, I'll have something prepared um, to share. And if anybody ever, again, wants to... Um, wants to share some words, or even if you don't necessarily want to speak on the podcast, if you want to send a message in and you want a certain message to be heard, you know, please send it through. I'll definitely I'll speak on it, um, give you credit for it. If anybody has a particular question, because I don't know where everybody is in their journey, but if you have a particular question, um, feel free to, you know, leave a comment, send an email. I'll definitely answer it, um, and definitely give you, um, credit for it. But until next time, I hope everybody has a great, great day. I hope that everybody is, um, is successful in their endeavors and I love you all. And I'll talk to you later. Peace. It's really humiliating to be shaking a cup. 24 hours a day and people just look at you like you're some kind of little bum, you know what I'm saying? I mean, I have had people to walk past me and say, get a job, bum. And I said, wait a minute, I'm not a bum, I'm a human being.